Hey, what's up, guys? English Dave here for another episode of The Mandalorian Recap brought to you by The Nerdy Bunch. Today, we're here to talk about the final episode of Season 1, Chapter 8, Redemption. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Eli. What's up, Eli? What's going on? This is it. It's the end. It. We've reached the end. The journey's been long. Uh, eight episodes, but we don't know how many weeks, months, or about a year. We don't know. Last episode, we spoke about the time... Uh, uh, that's been that spanned throughout this season. Uh, we also spoke about the fact that even though it's not as uh, readily obvious, we like how they've done it because it means you got to pay attention, and it also rewards uh, rewatchability. Right? If you watch it again, you see more and more. Uh, this is a, a show that I have watched each episode multiple times, and each time I love it more and more. This final episode, uh, I've been waiting for this episode, Eli, not just because it's the final episode, but because it's the episode directed by Taika Waititi, who plays the character IG-11. Uh, if you don't know who that is, where have you been living? Taika Waititi directed Thor Ragnarok, and also starred in that movie. Most recently directed a very, very good movie you should check out, Jojo Rabbit. Absolutely fantastic. I love that film. And this episode, you can totally, totally see his touch, especially that opening scene. We'll go into it. Hilarious opening scene. That's very much a Taika Waititi uh, humor. Huh? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, Taika Waititi is an absolute, uh, not even a rising star anymore, a transcendent star uh, yes. in in filmmaking. And he's just uh, been unbelievable in his ability to um, tell a great story, but also um, interject just you know, universally hilarious comedy into it. He's just <laughs> incredible, and and everything he touches oh, so seems good. to come turn into gold. So I was so thrilled uh, when I realized it was it was him directing this final episode of The Mandalorian, and mm -hmm. it did not disappoint. Not at all. Like I said, this episode was titled Redemption, and uh, the synopsis is as follows. The Mandalorian and his allies come to know their true enemy who already knows much about them. Ah, uh, that, that's definitely an understatement. <laughs> we find out a lot of it in this episode. Eli, we finally find out Mando's real name. Yes, Interesting. we do. We, and more than just his real name, we find out yes. sort of what, what was laid out in earlier episodes, but really we see sort of how he came to be a foundling mm -hmm. and, you know, really confirms why he hates droids, so that was kind of obvious. And then we also get a little bit of a peek under the helmet. Ah, yes, we do. Um, also interesting, I mean, you and I have been championing the idea that as much as people have complained that there isn't a larger arc, I think this episode solidifies the fact there is a larger arc at play. And there, there, you know? there has been a larger arc, but these episodes also do a good job, just like the Clone Wars did and Rebels has done. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd say even more Clone Wars is having their own, you know, beginning, middle, and end within each episode as well. Mm -hmm. Each episode mm -hmm. feels like its own content, and that's good. That's not necessarily a bad thing. There were some stronger episodes than others, but I felt like this last episode opened us up to an even larger greater arc that I hope mm -hmm. there is some foresight and planning being done behind it mm -hmm. because right now they've introduced certain elements that are super exciting and can show mm -hmm. us, you know, part of the, the world of Star Wars that we haven't seen before. I also think this, this season has been patient, you know, planting seeds because as much, like you said, as much as each episode has a beginning, middle and end, it, it, it informs on character. You know, this final episode and the episode before this, 
work because we get we're so invested in the character in such a short period of time you know this is like less than eight hours because each episode isn't even an hour long probably about six hours of television. Yeah, a lot of them aren't even 40 minutes <laughs> exactly and and i think that speaks to the idea that every episode you learn more you get closer it's, it's almost like we get fed more information on on the characters through little tidbits through actions through line of dialogue you know through various ways and i think this show's done a very good job of that um let's go straight into the episode uh we meet our team again almost under fire from moff gideon and his crew i love seeing the opening sequence of the two troopers bickering while they're waiting for orders i think it's one of our first cameos in terms of unknown or unseen faces you know because we've gotten a lot of cameos in this show but we've seen their faces but this is a Gone. Jason Sudeikis, I, it's like I, yes. I was, I was like that, that body language, <laughs> you know, the the tone of voice, it sounds so familiar, and it's perfect to play a, a, a stormtrooper who's kind of a dick. Yes, yes, <laughs> and Adam Paley, he's a TV actor. You've probably seen him in a bunch of stuff, such as name. You recognize him. Uh, I, I love the fact that these are the two troopers that picked up the baby, but at this point, um, uh, Moff Gideon doesn't know that they have it, and they're trying to get him, let him know. But nobody wants to contact him because he killed the last guy that tried to interrupt it. That whole sequence <laughs> is just so funny. It's just, and, but it also does a good job of, of making you recognize like Moff Gideon is a true baddie. The client was right. kind of creepy and evil. Moff Gideon is like a you know soulless son of a bitch. Yes. <laughs> like he'll kill his own men. I love for that the moment. The two, right? Just for interrupting him. Even if you're giving him good news that he wants to hear. Right. That's the thing. <laughs> and, and, and it's one of the situations, I love the, when one of them is like, let me see, let me see. Let me, and he gets bitten and he punches it. I was like, God. When he hauled off and punched Baby Yoda, I could not believe that. I like, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I jumped. I was like, this motherfucker. And they do it multiple times. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. This is my baby. Yes. What the hell? Like, it, it, we, like I said in the last episode, we've all adopted Baby Yoda into our hearts. And to watch him get punched, I felt like I was getting punched between the legs and into the soul. And I maybe <laughs> was tearing up and screaming at my television and tweeting. Yeah. No, I wasn't tweeting. But it was shocking. It was shocking. But I, I like that they did. It was like, that was kind of bold. It's kind of bold. Again, like you said, it shows how connected we, we become to this this puppet, essentially. It's but it, was done, it also was done tastefully, too, in that like he was in the bag. So it's not. it wasn't gratuitous. Yes, yes, yes. Because like, yes, you don't I see... Think, yeah like baby you know but you hear it and it's which i guess you know sometimes again less is more seeing you know seeing yeah. less it made it almost even worse she's like it's okay like what's going on oh my god <laughs> you punched a baby you baby punched and you just want those guys um, to die so bad after you know right though before that we get another awesome um uh fourth wall breaking breaking joke when they try to shoot the thing <laughs> oh my god so good such and that's like talk I, about you know a nice nod to the fans like yes stormtroopers right. can't hit shit we know we all know this is hilarious like <laughs> so great again taika using his trademark sense of humor to give us great fan service i think that's how you do fan service oh yeah that's absolutely perfect yep you uh, don't it's do funny it if you don't by know. changing someone's background into <laughs> sorry we're not gonna again last podcast we struggled with this i'm not gonna get into the rise of skywalker we cut back to the standoff. Mando reminds everyone that uh, the old sewers, remember in episode one, being used by the Mandalorians could be a means of escape. So they try to open the grates. Meanwhile, Moff Gideon reveals that they have an E-Web 
which is a very, very crazy weapon. Uh, Star Wars fans would know about this. And uh, he's letting them know that he'll give them till sundown to give themselves up. Meanwhile, he reveals to them that he knows a lot about them. First, he announces that uh, he knows um, Mando's real name, which is Din Jarin. Dun, dun, dun. Din Jarin. Din Jarin. It's very Star Jarin Wars. with a silent D before it, for those who listen. Yeah. And it's such a Star Wars name. I wonder, is there like a Star Wars name generator? I don't I'm sure know, there because is. everyone, like, I, there are very few names that have ever, uh, that I've ever had in Star Wars that was like, huh, that's kind of a weird Star Wars name. They all just sound perfect. I can give perfect. you one name. I can give you one name. Give me one. When the where the fuck did Luke come from? So that like in the realm of Star Wars, you know, with all the names that we yeah. hear, yeah, I, I can't rec- I can't recall any other regular name. It made it relatable to young men of the <laughs> late seventies. Outside of Luke, young white dudes. It's <laughs> a good point, Luke. <laughs> Actually, no, 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 no. Ben. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was a nickname. Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes, that ben. was a nickname. And then yes. Ben Solo. And then and and then it became a name with Ben Solo. Maybe instead of Ben, he should have been Bon. Con Ben. <laughs> bon. <laughs> bon Solo. Uh, we also find out Kara uh, Cynthia Dune was of Alderaan. Dun dun dun. Now you find out that's interesting information for those of you who don't know Alderaan. It happens to be one of the first planets to get the full mighty test of uh, the Death Star. But she's also a clone, so she's a clone from Alderaan? I guess so. Did Alderaan have clones? I guess clones were all over the... All over the... There, there's got to be more exploration of the clones. Because clearly, I like, know, the cloning tech, yes, uh, it was isolated. Uh, however, I would imagine that the clones we see in the prequels are not the only clones. And, and clearly, they're yeah, not. I, I mean... I'm sure. I mean, you don't have cloning just using a one person. Right. Well, actually, now technically too, because, you know, apparently uh, Snoke is a clone. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm sorry, if I'm going to make a clone of myself to inhabit my body, I'm going to make him look good. Not with a face scar in his face. For what? There's no reason for that face scar, apparently. You know, why does he look like a deformed, crazy golem creature? It's called bad retconning in a third movie. I'm just saying, I'd, if I'm going to clone myself, I'll make myself look better. Yeah, I would look exactly like Brad Pitt. In, <laughs> or, or, yeah, when he's in Troy, too, when he's, like, super yoked, probably had done some creatine. Like, right? Right, don't don't clone yourself as, well, that guy's clearly evil. Right. You know, be a charming person. Right. <laughs> like, Palpatine fooled people back in the day because he looked normal when he was in the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. At least do that, gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna put in the title of this uh, spoilers for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he also mentions in passing uh, the night of a thousand, uh, thousand, the night of a thousand tears, thousand tears. That's actually further explored in Clone Wars. So if you guys are interested, check Clone Wars out. I won't go into that. Um, also, Mando mentions that he knows about Moff Gideon because apparently he was. Uh, Supposed to be executed for war crimes, according to Kara. And just, the, just how did that happen? The the buildup of Moff Gideon has been awesome because it's like, okay, we're learning, you know, more and more about him, and everything is more sinister than the last. He just kills people for interrupting him, and just generally is no problem offing people for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Now we know he's executed for war crimes, so he's done stuff on a 
galactic level, most likely, that's real effed up. It's like he's really, like, being built up in a nice, subtle way of being this terrible bad guy. And, of course, at the end, we realize he's there's something going on that makes him quite special. And, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, this guy was I mean, assume, presumably arrested when he was supposed to have been killed. Not to be killed, but people thought he was already killed for war crimes. So not only, how did he get away from that and get this mini army with him? You know, what's that story? Yeah. Because that, that must be something. Like, yeah, hey, how does he have a following captured if he was, yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, we are now opening up into a much larger arc. And, and it makes me think, maybe this season is really just going to be the beginning, beginning of opening up this really far larger world and larger storyline mm-hmm. that can expand into other shows, potentially other movies. And that's what I hope, because I think they've, they have the framework for that set up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, let's... At first, it's bringing together all it's bringing together elements of the prequels of the animated shows and of uh you know bringing elements from the original trilogy and then now let's open it up and be able to explore more and create new things that aren't just uh hearkening to the past but showing elements that we of storylines that we've never explored before mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> mando confirms that who it is because he's, he re- he confirms that this is the only person who would have records from mandalore and we see a flashback of the day Mando's parents died, or I should say, Din's Din's parents Din's died. Parents. Uh, we see that we saw that we see him rescued by Mandalorians. Is this Death Watch? We spoke about Death Watch previously, uh, pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars. Um, that armor looks similar to Death Watch's armor, which is the kind of blue tint to it. That was a cool sequence. It does. Especially when they went flying with the kid. And, I like that. And if you watch the Clone Wars, you'll know Death Watch because that's when we were introduced to Death Watch. Uh, and and we you get more uh, context about the Mandalorians and about Mandalore. However, I like how the show is giving you is is giving audience members um, who wouldn't really know what that is a a quick little spark notes on the Mandalorians' history because it is quite rich and uh, adds a lot uh, of context to the broader galaxy and the political scene. Which you know how I feel about the politics, Dave. <laughs> I know how you feel, and I know you love it. <laughs> um, we skipped a bit apart earlier on when IG Eleven reclaims Baby Yoda. I love that sequence because when it beats up the the, the troopers, when it snaps one's arms and smashes the other one's face, yeah, it just the, smashes no, it not into face, the no, speeder. Yeah, into head, the speed, it's like, like crack, crack, crack. <laughs> also, like IG Eleven is like. He, I think he has a higher body count than anyone I've ever seen in Star Wars outside Anakin. I mean, he's also a bounty hunter who didn't give zero fucks. I mean, he's he's an uh, ki- absolute killing machine, no pun intended. Like, hey, when he came in it, on 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 the on the speeder, just taking them all out, and Baby Yoda just smiling along the way. <laughs> Baby Yoda's just like, oh, this is a really thrilling joyride. Like, this isn't Disney World, Baby Yoda. It might be, but. Yeah. You know, it. I, I like IG-11, because, but it also goes to show, like, how powerful a droid can be, and like a, an assassin droid. It's established even in this series, right, that droids are faster. When the other droid, Zero, in the episode, when they have to do the jumps, you know, saying how the reflex is a lot faster than the humans. Right. Uh, you know, so these are the, I, you know, it's one thing to say it, but I like it when we sh- we see it, because, you know, we spend a lot of time with a human humanoid droid of C-3PO, who's absolutely useless in terms of combat 
Yeah, so like you forget. C- well, we've seen C three PO in a combat situation, in episode two, and <laughs> he's certainly less than effective. <laughs> Just super lucky. He probably has. There was a theory I read once that that the droids he and R two D two somehow had the force, and that's why oh, like yeah, they always that. seem to get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think C three PO has the force. I think he's just a lucky son of a bitch who's also theoretically been killed a couple of times had his memory wiped maybe he's not that lucky he's actually kind of had a rough go of it which uh memory wipe oh let's make a big deal about this memory wipe. Right. only for it to just get it back two scenes later what was the point one last look <gasps> at my friends is so that they could have that in the trailer <laughs> all right it's just every time you did something epic you just didn't have the balls to commit to it yep you know like Cause, and it would have worked so because he already has had his memory wiped fully once yes yes so we would accept it it's totally fine. And you know, you know, I would have been happy if you ended it with like a little spark, a slither of like, oh, getting something back, right. a memory. Right. And then end, you know, just a little tease. Maybe, in fact, brilliant. maybe a, a future movie is about unlocking his memories because something he saw is needed now. Boom. Look that at that. Just gave you oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having better. St- you know what? Nope. I'm not going to go there. We're going to do a podcast. <laughs> Yes, let's stick to Manda. Uh, I, lo- I love the po- the moment where IG, when he's shooting everybody, there's that sequence where the two troopers are giving a Jawa some trouble. Yeah, yep. and he just <laughs> and drives just by and them. takes them out. And I'm like, good, don't bother my Jawas. I love those little Houtinis. All right, I love that. Um, where are we? Uh, yeah, IG arrives to uh, like a badass to help protect them. He and, jumps off the bike, he, he crashes the bike into some stormtroopers and takes a few out by just ditching ditching the speeder, not the bike, mm-hmm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And then rolls and protects Baby Yoda all at the same time. I love when he spins and has Baby on his back instead of on his front. Yeah. He's just, he's just so effective. He's just, like a oh, human so a human would not have been able to do that, even a Mandalorian. No, no. And uh, speaking of Mandalorian, when IG arrives, everyone gets the cue. I love that slow motion sequence where Amanda just walks out the door, cowboy style, taking out everybody. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, And then he jumps on the e-web. I was like, yeah, taking everybody out. It does. The show is continue to just do a great job of reminding you we're in a sort of we're in a space Western. And Mando is perfect for that little gunslinger. Just beautiful. And I love when that sequence where Kara is like trapped in the room by the Death Troopers, and then she just takes them out with her soldier badassery. Oh, she was but such then, a beast. I love it. Moff shows his uh, his ingenuity and realizes, uh, let me just shoot the battery. Kind of a smart move. Yeah. You know, I don't know why no one else has thought of that. Shoot the battery. And again, it, like it goes to show, like he is like this dude is no joke. He's not just yeah. gonna like you know have a run standoff with Mando and then get taken out. Like he's probably superior to mando at this point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the thing he's usually we get two choices either he's just, they're going to have a standoff and lose or they're just going to cower in the background you know he's like no enough of this i need this gunfight to be over shoot the battery explodes in mando's face and uh, mando and team are forced to retreat back into the building ig's asked they couldn't open the grate before that led to the sewer but ig's here now he's got that robot strength and their robot skills and flamethrower and stuff. So he's asked to open the grate, but he first tells uh, Grief, if you go near the child, I'll be forced to kill you. I loved how he delivers that line. you understand, I voice. will fucking kill you if you touch my sweet baby Yoda. <laughs> and in this, in this mo- next moment, we realize really how much Mando takes his creed to heart. 
you know, Kara wants to remove the helmet because he's gravely injured and potentially dying. And he says, no, he's ready to accept his death with the head, with the helmet on. And he asks Kara to uh, take care of baby because this is the way. And he wants a warrior's death, which, okay, I get, I get it. I get it. Uh, the fire trooper comes in to burn them out. One of the few times we've seen a, fire, a flame, is it flame trooper or fire trooper? Flame trooper. I, I guess it's, it's flame trooper. But I yeah, guess I'm... it's one of the few times we've seen. And that that sequence, I love how I do love how Mando is that committed to his creed because you would think with all he's learned and sort of the journey he's gone on in this show that he might say, "Okay, fine, you're my homie. Yes. We become close. You can yes. take it off." And that would be like a logical sequence. But no, even though he maybe isn't a bounty hunter anymore, and he's you know the Mandalorians, um, you know we come to find later on have been basically taken out or wiped out again he still that creed is everything that creed saved his life it defines him to mm -hmm. his absolute core and to his death he will die before mm -hmm. breaking like the only his time oath. you see his face the only time you see his face is after he's given his last breath right. he's willing to go for it um the fire the flame trooper arrives to burn them out shoots out his flames but baby yoda shows everybody what the force is about I love that sequence, pushes the flames back at the guy, explodes him, then takes a nap. Because, you know, the force takes the toll on babies. Baby Yoda's energy <laughs> bar, it, it goes down pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to level up. And and this series continues to, you know, every time I pay attention, every time Baby Yoda's on screen, uh, or every time they do some kinds of visual effects. I went to school for computer graphics and, and some visual effects. Uh, uh, I, I learned some visual effects skills. And so... Bad visual effects or mediocre visual effects stick out to me as a sore thumb. And this show continues to impress me, man. Like, it's seamless. Especially scenes where Baby Yoda's walking and you see the full body. That's mm -hmm. usually when it's you, it's it's lost. But it's so You well know done. far better than I do. But the thing that's that's continues to be almost shocking in this series is that it not only looks... You know, there, there's been maybe a couple here or there that they clearly chose to sacrifice for, for time and money. But for the most part, this looks as good, if not better, than than s some of the, not just sequels, but the solos, the Rogue One. Well, Rogue One looked really good, but um, some of the sequels. I mean, there there have been moments where I'm like, how is this television? How am I not in a movie theater? It's um, unbelievable. It's really interesting. And if you have the chance, listeners, do a YouTube search for it, for like behind the scenes of Mandalorian. Usually for shows like this or movies like this, when you have extended sets and large sets or like backgrounds they usually add green screen to make the backgrounds look extended into the distance what they did here is they have digital screens that projected the background on it and then as the camera moves the background will shift so that that way you can keep the perspective the parallaxing perspective will maintain and and it's looks incredible and it goes back to the old ways and how they used to do star wars with the painted backdrops it's amazing to watch that go full circle and to see how far it's come. So John Favreau, yep. in an interview, explained, he says, we don't go on location. We bring the location to us. And he mastered yep. the, these techniques uh, through his work on some other Disney films like The Lion King. Uh, and I believe he did The Jungle Book as well. Jungle Book, yes. Jungle and Book, so yeah. in, in those, if you've seen them, are just incredible feats of CGI. Uh, and so what he's done has really been amazing. And again, it it's... it's uh, the the Star Wars brand pushing the what we you know know as uh, visual effects and it's just like it's going to open up a whole world of possibilities because 
if you think about it, Star Wars is probably better on the small screen for the most part. Sure, I wish I could watch The Mandalorian on the big screen, but from a storytelling perspective, there's too mm -hmm. much going on to confine mm -hmm. it to just, you know, that's some of the weaknesses of the sequel is that it's such a rich universe. We want more. We want to see more instead of just the big plot beats. Um, where are we now? Blah, 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 blah. So oh, so the, the rest of the team... We open the gate. The team goes decides to go inside the sewers, but IG decides he's going to stay instead. Um, Mando expects IG to kill me. He says, go ahead, finish me. I'd rather it be you instead. But IG helps him instead. Remind him that, hey, I am not a living creature, so it's okay that I can take your helmet off. And again, Dave, we talked about this last episode. This is an idea you've so long wanted Star Wars to play with, and they're actually playing with it now. How do you feel about it? How are they handling it? I think they're handling it brilliantly because the, they use the word on the, the use of the word living thing doesn't take away from its quote unquote humanity. Right. You Which know, if anything, you he's know, you showing could... more humanity. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And in fact, by giving that line, he's giving, showing empathy. He's saying, I understand your situation. I understand your predicament, but don't worry. Doing this doesn't ruin what you are. And I think that was a brilliant way for us, the audience to finally get the reveal. Because it could have been done any other way. It could have been done, like you said earlier, with Kara saying, you're about to die, take the helmet off. He's like, no. And this way, he's able to have his cake and eat it too. The helmet can come off, he can be saved, and he still hasn't broken his rules. And the character has evolved because he never, ever would have let a droid near him. He literally killed the same droid in the very first episode. In that moment, you remember, and actually not in that moment, it's actually later on in the episode, you find out why the episode's called Redemption. It's IG's story. Um, we get a little kind of a little uh, uh, Easter egg for previous movies. Uh, he gets helped with a BAFTA spray. Uh, where, yeah. he, where have we seen that before? Huh? Was, was it Return of the Jedi? Would have been at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Or is that beginning of a return? Yeah, it's end of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. There's probably some fans shouting at us right now for getting it wrong, maybe. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Um, I don't claim to know everything. Also see I just claim to have a lot of opinions on it. <laughs> we also see this in 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 I think the Last Jedi Finn when he's in that liquid thing. That's the back to spray yeah yeah back to stuff. tank. That's he's it. in a back to tank. Yes, yeah. back to tank. And and in if you if for people who play uh, Star Wars Battlefront, you you deal with you know, the back to healing as well a lot. Yes. For and I played have spent you know a huge percentage of my waking hours playing Star Wars Battlefront Two, the original. Not the new one, which is also fun, which is also a great game. The new one's gotten a lot better. Yeah, gotten a lot better. They've done some updates. But the original Battlefront 2, mm, with oh, just course. Galactic Conquest. Story. Oh, my <laughs> God. And the, oh, the score. Don't get me started. Side note, for Christmas, I got Jedi uh, Fallen Order or Fallen Jedi. Star Wars Fallen it's Jedi. It's great. I need to play so it, too. Dude, it's amazing. Like, after the calamity that was Rise of Skywalker... It was great to play the game because I was like, oh my God, this is so good. The storyline is amazing. It's such a great story. I'm on, And I'm only like an hour into it. And it is canon. Yes, correct. it is canon. Timeline? It is just after Order... No, a few years after Order 66. I think it's happening around the same time as, as Rebels, to be honest with you. As Rebels, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you don't cross paths with Kanan or Ezra? I don't know. I only played an hour. I don't... As far as I know, I don't think so. But I've yeah. only played an hour. I have no idea. 
Um, where are we? Back to tanks. Back to spray. Where is this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're in. So they're down. They go down into the tunnel. Yes, they go <clears> to <throat> the sewers uh, and they're lost. But Mando looks for tracks, and this way they arrive into the Mandalorian hideout to find a pile of removed helmets. Again, this show does a great job because we instantly know what that means, and that's because the show has let us know that this is what it means for a Mandalorian to have the helmet removed. So seeing a pile of removed helmets. Even though you don't know specifically what happened, you know it's bad. Yeah, something went real wrong. Yes. You saw those and it just went, oh shit. Yes, yes. Instantly, uh, Mando blames Grief, thinking that it was the bounty hunters who did this. But then the armorer arrives and says, no, it, it was the Imperials. Him. Yes, it wasn't him. It was the Imperials. She, she's such a G. And her her uh, outfit Love it. is so dope. Comic-Con, people be someone better be wearing that at Comic-Con. Because that is a yeah. dope outfit. And whoever's wearing it better take a picture with me. Right? I love seeing when, when in terms of like fantasy sci-fi uh, uh, projects, where you have female characters in outfits and costumes that aren't highlighting the female anatomy. You know, they tend to get outfits that like yeah. highlight the boobs and accentuate the curves extra, you know, like right. this does, this looks like a warrior's outfit. Yep. And I, I thought that was very well done. I love, I love her. every time she walks on the screen, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I like how we sort of get the payoff because, you know, we're we see and not to jump ahead, but to jump ahead, we see that uh, she looks like a badass, and we will all want to know. Yes, like, is she? Is she <laughs> and is, yes, is she as wild as I think she is right now? And then she just goes and whoops straight whoops some ass yes. in like the most almost in like this Jedi like Ooh. way. She's it's like as if she's meditating yes. and then just. And, yeah. and we'll get into that scene. But before that, we get some information. She knows a thing or two about what this baby Yoda might be. Uh, she's found. She says she knows of his kind, not specifically his species. I love this. She doesn't. When she says his kind, or it's kind. She's not talking about its species. She's talking about the Jedi as a whole, or force, force beings at least. You know. Right. And I love right. that. And and we find out that you know they were once the enemy. But I love that she says, "But this child is not." You know, that tells you a lot about a character to be able to say his kind were our enemy, but this specific child is not. And I like right. she, she says, until the child is of age or return to his kind, you are its father now. And and suddenly now Baby Yoda is not even just a a accessory to Mando's life. He is part of his creed now. Yep. Yep. Which elevates it to a whole nother level. The stakes have been raised. And we get a line from Mando that, for me, is the synopsis of season two, possibly. Or at least an aspect of season two when he says, you expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers? And I was like, yes, I want to see that. <laughs> uh, that's all I want. I was like, all right, let's, let's get out of these sewers and get on with the adventure. Uh, and, but, and that means, are we going to see some Jedi in the next episode or in the next season? But the thing is, if we did see Jedi in the next season, mm -hmm. what, because this is 25 years, 20 years before the sequel trilogy, in which we see absolutely no Force users other than the familiar mm -hmm. suspects. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, how do we reconcile that? Well, I mean, we've been asking this question since day one, right? In terms, as soon as we were, Baby Yoda was revealed as a 50 year old. You know, and especially now that's confirmed it's not a clone, it's actually fifty years old. And how yeah. how we how did you survive Order sixty six without being, you know? And 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 right. and again, I wonder if we're we gonna find Jedi 
or we're going to see other force users. And, you know, there's a dis right. for those of you who don't know, there is a distinction. A huge distinction. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think in sort of an important thing to remember, though, is that some Jedi did survive. Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan survived. Kanan survived. Mm -hmm. Presumably, a, a a survived. Ahsoka, presumably, Ahsoka survived. Ah oh, Ahsoka, Ahsoka mm -hmm. survived mm -hmm. until she didn't. I mean, no, we don't know her fate. Yeah, true. We, still... we just saw the yeah. we just saw the the gates close. And and also, um, you hear her, her voice is actually heard in in Rise of Skywalker in that moment. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Finally, Mando gets his signet, which is the signet he was going to get earlier on, but now it's confirmed he gets the mud horn, but it represents the baby and Mando, Mando together, a clan of two, because they defeated the thing together. I kind of like that. You know, this solidified right. that clan of two now. And ask ID, IG to guard the door. I love the sequence when the, the you hear the troopers arrive and you hear the commotion and IG comes out. Everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just, and, and you believe him too. You're like, yeah, I've seen that dude whip some ass. Yeah, so. There's such a Taika moment as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, God, he sees great. She then finally gives Mando the rising phoenix, a.k.a. his jetpack. He's been wanting to get one We've of those. We've been waiting for this. Yes. We've been waiting for this since the first time we saw Mando. But alas, he's still a bit weak. So he can't carry it. Say, so IG, IG's asked to carry it until he can. She also says it won't respond to you until... Yes. I thought that too. You... And so I was I was waiting for him to like, you know, jetpack himself straight into the ground. So it makes me think how these jetpacks work. Is it some kind of like mental communication? I mean... Is it... there some organic element to it? Yeah, right. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, they leave while the armor stays behind while the troopers come and she this is the moment Eli was talking about yes wow. like I love how she because I was ready for her to accept her fate that's what I thought she was doing me too oh I, I was like damn <laughs> she's about to she's about to put up a bit of a struggle she's gonna distract them and then she's gonna die I'm gonna be sad and then nope, she's like, fuck nope. that. I'm a Mandalorian. You're just stormtroopers. Like, and just whoops ass with a wrench. Dude, do you see when he smashed the guy's face? His like troop like the the mask just broke. It disintegrated to pieces. Actually, she also mentions that some of the Mandalorians did escape. They're out there somewhere. So not every one of them got killed. Right. True. It does true. mention that. Because I think I because I don't think that's a line, a throwaway line. I think that's gonna come back. Yeah, and, and that's important, and, and I'm glad that happened, because man, it's not like Mandalorians are in, in absolute elite fighting machines. So, like, of course, some would probably get away. Yeah. And that fight that wiped that many of them out had to have taken a serious toll on the remaining brigade of yeah. stormtroopers. And they're, they're probably caught off guard as well. That's probably, what, you know, one of the situations. Right. Um, the team gets to a, a lava river, and I like the representations, almost like the river sticks. Yep, but it also reminds you of Revenge of the Sith. Kind it does. Of looks like Mustafar. It does. It does. We've seen droids working in the lava of Mustafar, and so you know that like it helps give um, believability to when IG goes into the lava mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that he's not just immediately gonna he melt you know, into yeah, yeah melt away. I mean, the boat can survive the lava, so it's made of something. And and right. I love how Kara gets the boat unstuck, like baby in one hand, machine gun in the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was like, yeah. Kara just continues to be an absolute G, <laughs> and uh, I love her, and I'm I'm hoping she plays a prominent role next season. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting is that the astromech when it stands up, I was like, whoa, 
it makes sense, but I did not expect that. I was like, Whoa. yeah, that that was shocking. <laughs> that was shocking because it's so tall as well and like big. It's like, oh shit. Okay. It's like, how does an R two unit or an astromech? I don't know if it's an R two unit. Probably not. But like, yeah, how does it? It looks like a freak. <laughs> it's a freak astromech. <laughs> Um, as they're going forward, they realize, uh oh, it's a trap. I love the moment when Kara's like, stop, 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 and then shoots in the face. Doesn't even give us a chance to stop. Just jumps right, yeah. shoots in the face. And uh, they find out that it's a trap, and there's going to be a bunch of uh, uh, troopers at the mouth of the tunnel. And uh, this way, IG makes the sacrifice, the episode title, Redemption. He goes back to his original manufacturer's protocol of self destruct after making sure the baby be okay he asked manda make sure tell me so that way i can get past that protocol and i love this moment because manda doesn't want him to kill himself how the tables have and turned again character development come a long way character development take notes jj chris terrio right manda does it's not a case of manda's just like okay fine manda's like no really tries to fight you know for ig to not do this and I love that moment because it's it's such a turnaround for him, and 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 it really shows you that Mando, you know, he's appreciative. You know, sometimes people so people can be so stubborn that you can save their lives so many times, and they're still like, "No, fuck you, I don't trust you," you know. And and he sticks to his creed, in which which goes to show that he does have a certain value system that he's not going to change from. Mm-hmm. But then in this moment, it shows he's capable of evolving emotionally, mm-hmm. and you know, makes you wonder, you know, what's going to happen in season two because mm-hmm. there's he's still stunted in that way of like he's he's so he's going to abide by his creed and it feels like he's almost limited in his connection to baby yoda mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in how he's approaching that relationship mm-hmm. and a lot of the times other people it's other people doing stuff for baby yoda or interacting with baby yoda throughout the series you actually don't see that much interaction between those two mm-hmm. but you know their connection is strong but there is almost like a wall that mando is putting up and so this goes to show that that wall can be chipped away at and certainly baby yoda does that but i want to see their relationship develop one-on-one much further next season mm-hmm. instead of baby yoda sort of being passed off between supporting characters mm-hmm. i mean shit, we could get a time jump in season two we don't know right <laughs> baby yoda ages right. up a bit maybe um right and then we have adolescent yoda <laughs> so ig finally sacrifices himself and I love the moment where 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 he says to Banda, "There's nothing to be sad." And Banda's like, "I'm not sad. Yes, you are. I'm a nurse droid. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in your voice. Yes. That was like, great. Oof. like how you can't even have a rebuttal for that one. <laughs> like, what are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, man, that's you. <laughs> um, they are saved and protected. But as they leave, they're attacked. They're attacked by Moff Gideon in an X-wing. Once again, showing that Moff Gideon. He's willing to get his hands dirty if he has to. Oh, he's going to get his hands real dirty. He'll jump into and an X-Wing. You shortly find out why. Yes. And uh, I love the moment where Grief is like, make the baby do the magic hands. Hey, baby, come on, do the magic hands. <laughs> and then baby Yoda goes. He starts waving back. <laughs> it's so, and again, that's Taika Waititi's like, trademark right there. Just so funny in a moment of, of tension. But it's funny, but it also, it's not out of character for anyone. You know, early, no. in previous episode, no. Grief made a comment about the whole, oh, it's a cannibal. Oh, he's going to eat me. You know, like he makes comments like that. You know, and, right. and so I right. love that, you know, it's still keeping in character. And we forgot to mention earlier on, we found out what we have conf- what we kind of already knew earlier on, but it's confirmed Mandalorian is a creed, not 
a, a race. It was once a yes. race, but it's become a creed. And that whole storyline is within, you can see in Clone Wars and bits of Rebels, you see how the evolution of the Mandalorian culture. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Mando decides to use a jetpack, and we finally see some cool stuff. That sequence was done really, really well. I loved it. Oh, it was epic. I mean, just this whole ending was absolutely epic and not easy to predict. Well, it sequentially made sense yes but it wasn't just a huge battle and that's you know no. there was sacrifice there was mando rising to the occasion literally there was a bad guy who was actually real bad and scary and then there's baby yoda being adorable as always it's just it gave me everything i needed and great supporting characters you know absolutely and i think that's also also needed um i, I love also that in this fight sequence this show's done a great job of reminding us what tools mando has and i love that because you see you see the grappling hook you see the flamethrower and these are things that they're used constantly enough that we know that these are part of his armor not just like what the fuck did that come from it doesn't leave the room for the audience to go well why didn't he just do this yes yes and i and i feel like a lot of this show does a really good job of uh insulating itself from that logistical criticism that's often justified mm -hmm. but in this case like the you know, Mando uses the tools at his disposal and they're not contrived. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, with Moff defeated, Kara and Grief decide, you know what? We should stay. Especially when the, the scum and villainy has been cleaned. I love that line. For people who don't know, scum and villainy is a quote that's used in Star Wars, <laughs> using the first film to describe, uh, was it Tatooine? The wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> at the cantina yes. in Moss Eisley. Yes, and uh, grief confirms to Mando that the guild has no no longer has issues with him, and whenever he's ready, he can come back to the guild. Um, they all part ways. Now, is Mando going back to the guild? Is he going back mm, to the guild? I don't nah. think he's going back to the guild. I think it's more that the guild aren't going to chase you anymore. You're cool. You're cool. You're good. <laughs> you know that yeah. that I I think this also buries the idea that the guild is also coming after baby yoda you know the whole fob thing i think that's been that's been closed but mando can't leave baby yoda alone because now mando's his daddy his baby daddy well not baby daddy he's his daddy yeah i mean by by the code yes yeah, so he can't just leave this him. is the way yeah he's your you're, he's your son uh they, or yes son they part ways and uh mando buries uh quill solidifying or confirming what I dreaded. Because, you know, there's a part of me that was like, maybe Quill isn't dead. We didn't see the shoot. Maybe he's going to turn out, oh, he was okay the whole time. Back to spray can do a lot, you know? Or maybe Baby Yoda did a did a ray and, and, and gave him, you know, like, I'm sorry, Star Wars now established he can bring Keepers to life. So maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, talked to, we talked about that in the last episode. <laughs> so I was hopeful, but no, with the, the burial of Quill that cemented that he is in fact dead. And Mando and Baby yep. fly off, and it's seemingly off away, happy ending. And I, you know, I was ready to accept that. It's like, okay, whatever. Season two, give me whatever it does. But no, we cut to, and I love that it cuts to a couple of Jawas salvaging. See, this show doesn't miss an opportunity for world building, because of course the Jawas would be wouldn't waste time to salvage <laughs> the wreckage. No, that is what they do. They they're like they can hone in. They have like salvage homing beacons. Yes, right. <laughs> I love those guys. I think if I was in the Star Wars universe, I would be a Jawa. Oh, yeah? Or at least be friends with one. I think so. Yeah, my best friend would be a Jawa. <laughs> for sure. And then we see something that was, nobody saw coming. I'm sorry, but nobody saw coming. You see, I was like, what the fuck is that? 
a saber cutting through moth walks out as if like he's not phased holding what most don't know and some do a dark saber a dark saber now let us not be confused for those who don't know the lore of the dark saber this does not mean he is force sensitive no this does not mean he is a sith or a jedi Dave, you know a little bit more about this, so go on. But let's just establish that not a Sith. I'm sure if he was a Sith or anything like that, he'd use some Force powers earlier on. Uh, so I'm pretty sure he's not Force-sensitive, like you mentioned. But the Dark Saber doesn't necessarily mean he has to be Force-sensitive, though it was first created by Tar Vizsla, the first and I'm sure only Mandalorian who became a Jedi. And uh, in Jedi lore, you have to create your own Saber, and he created his own, but his was a black one, the Dark Saber. And it's shaped differently yes. than a traditional... Yes. Same. It looks more like a blade. Laser sword. Yes, yeah. it looks like a blade, exactly. I love like the white outlines of the trim around it. And for those of you who watch Clone Wars and uh, Rebels, we do see the Darksaber's origin, and we see a lot of that. After the death of Tar Vizsla, the Jedi kept hold of the, the Darksaber, but the Mandalorians stole it back, and they've used it as a means to kind of show who is the leader of the Mandalorians. As a fun fact, whoever wields the saber is supposed to be the leader. At one point... Darth Maul wielded that saber. That's an interesting story seen in Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Clone Wars. But the last time we saw it, uh, Sabine Wren of Star Wars Rebels gave it to Bo-Katan. She didn't want it herself because she claimed it. She was supposed to have it, but she didn't want it. She gave it Sabine to Bo-Katan. Sabine Wren. Yes, Sabine Wren. But different spelling. Wait, what? It's a different spelling. Oh, I was going to be like... It's W-R-E-N. Oh, I was like, I haven't made it there. No. I haven't made it there in Rebels yet. It's W-R-E-N. No, you've seen Sabine. She's the one with the Mandalorian helmet. That's her name. Oh, no. I know yeah. who Sabine is. Oh, he meant that I know part. she's a Mando. Uh, yes. But I just, I didn't realize her last name was... Ah, yeah. No, it's a different spelling. But here's a fun fact about Bo-Katan, who was the last person we saw with the, the saber. Bo-Katan's sister, Satine, is uh, the love interest of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Fun fact right there. That's his unrequited love. That's right. That's right. Satine, not to be confused with Sabine. Sabine yes. is a teenager in Rebels. Yes. <laughs> Satine is, it was the Duchess on Mandalore, and uh, we see her in the Clone Wars. Yes. And that's why a lot of people thought Rey possibly be, could be a granddaughter of Obi-Wan. Instead, we got a contrived Palpatine bloodline. <laughs> um, yeah. And let me just throw this out there. Okay, on, Dave, Throw it you out and I, you and I said that Ray, the the most interesting thing would have been, Ray is a clone of Anakin, and they changed the Y chromosome to an X, in hopes that she would be less vengeful and vindictive, without that testosterone. <laughs> that would have been interesting, and and ultimately, what I would have liked best is for Ray to be a no one, because just so as we see, as we're talking about in the Mandalorian. There are many important characters and Force-sensitive characters who are not a part of this royal lineage. Um, but as it comes to close to the season, it has already been confirmed by John Favreau, literally as the episode finished, that season two will be airing in the fall of 2020. They've already started pre-production and I think maybe production on some episodes. So they are well on their way to giving us an awesome season two. Well, thank you guys as always for listening. Thank you, Eli. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know what you want to hear next. Dave, as always, it's been great. It's been very great. Guys, follow us on all our social media. 
at the nerdy bunch check out some of our other other podcasts it is 2020 so we have a lot of planned podcasts coming your way and as always guys keep it nerdy peace